afternoon, Central Park Baptist Church. Good afternoon to y'all. We're doing okay? Hey, man, glad to have everyone here. Uh, we will begin with uh, hymn 46. Hymn 46, if you're, uh, if you're able, if you're able to rise and join us in singing hymn 46, Jesus and me. Jesus and me, Jesus and me, hymn 46, Jesus and me. We'll do uh, all the verses, and then we'll have an opening word of prayer, amen? Jesus and me, hymn 46, Jesus and me. Sing along. I've traveled along, up on this lonesome way.
Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Lord, I just pray that you bless the remainder of the service and the ministries. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much. Please give us protection as we travel back home after service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. And as we continue to praise the Lord this afternoon, we would love you to turn to hymn 623. We're still singing about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Because it's just Jesus and me. Hymn 623. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Hymn 623. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Hymn 623. I was lost in sin, but Jesus rescued me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was bound by fear, but Jesus set me free. He's a wonderful Savior to me. For he's a wonderful Savior to me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Savior to us. <laughs> I didn't tell y'all to sit down. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to be nice. I'm going to let you sit on this next hymn, but don't tell the pastor. <laughs> hymn 595, hymn 595. This is actually a walking song because we, we're going to have a closer walk with thee. So I guess if you can walk sitting down, you can go ahead. But we'll, we'll, we'll sing uh, just a closer walk with thee, hymn 595. Him <laughs> 595, just a closer walk with thee. Let's sing along. Uh, I am weak, but thou art strong. Uh, Jesus, keep me from all wrong.
welcome to our afternoon service. We're glad you're here. You may be seated. <laughs> Just like I'm supposed to say that or something, you know. We're glad that you're here. Uh, you're brave. You know I'm here. You know I'm preaching. You know preacher's not, and you came back anyway. Wow, I'll give you a chance to go while you have an opportunity before the service. Um, but uh, continue to pray for preacher and Miss White as they uh, uh, will be gone this week. They should be back Thursday or Friday. I'm not sure which. But they will be back here for next weekend. Uh, don't, so don't forget that we have 24 and 24 next weekend. That's 24 um, uh, people in 20, um, year 2024 meeting with us at 8.30 in the morning. They're here in the auditorium. And we just pray together. Some pray out loud. Some pray privately. Some people just look at their phones the whole time. And that, that's what you'll be doing while I'm preaching. And uh, <laughs> you got to have something entertaining. <laughs> so... Um, uh, but that'll be 24 and 24 this uh, Sunday coming up March 3rd. And then we'll have a so, uh, men's prayer meeting after, uh, uh, also on Saturday, the March 2nd, 8.30 in the morning, men's prayer meeting. Uh, we'll have, be having a time of fellowship around the Word of God. We'll have a time of prayer together. We'll have a time of eating bacon together. Amen. And that starts at 8.30 in the morning. And if you're not a member of Central Park Baptist Church, that's okay. We want you to come anyway. That's all right. That's okay. Uh, you can come anyway. And so um, that we'll be looking forward to seeing every man all we can, everyone we can. Of course, if too many come, then I don't think there's much bacon. So if some of you want to stay home, that's okay. No, um, I'm just teasing. That'll be at uh, 8.30 Saturday morning, all right? Then, again, I want to, again, announce financial counseling, how to build a financial future. Amen? Uh, as a young man, I didn't do well with finances. I'm just being honest with you, okay? I had to learn how to handle finances. Uh, when I first was as a young person, I had money that I just blew all the time because I had so much money, I, couldn't, I didn't have to worry about it. Then I didn't, and then I had to worry about it. But I couldn't stop spending because I'd just been doing that. Then I got myself in trouble. And it took years of learning how to take care of money correctly. Money's a tool. That's all it really is. It's just a tool. And if you look at it as a tool of what it can do and what it can't do and handle it as a tool, it'll help you. And Brother um, uh, uh, Clark Fisher is uh, offering an opportunity for everyone in this church to meet with him personally and for him to advise you and help you develop a budget, how to live by that budget, what a budget really is. Most folks don't even know what a budget really is. A budget is a skeleton to figure out where your money generally is supposed to go. So you can figure out how you're going to live. You don't always know how much the expenses are going to be until you execute that budget for that month. Sometimes you have more, sometimes you have less. Budgets are based upon percentages over a period of 12 months. So one month you may spend more, the next month you may spend less, you're still on budget. But you have to learn how to do that. That's what our church learned when I first came here. And so um, our church is doing strong based on its budget and based on how we do finances. Brother Clark is a part of that. Uh, and so he's going to teach us about that. Uh, maybe how to, uh, how to save up for retirement. You do have to save up for retirement. If you don't save up for retirement, you'll get $800 a month from the government. And they say, have a good time. Okay, and it's not very much. It's just whatever Social Security will pay you. And everybody's different. It's not a lot. Amen. 
So you have to prepare for that. He'll talk about that with you. How do you take care of savings? Uh, savings is a hard thing to get when everything you seem to have received goes out the window. Amen? So how do you know? How do you figure that out? How do you live within your means? I learned to live within my means because I had to become mean to myself and say, you can't have that and have to be patient. Amen? So he's willing to teach you on that. And if I were you and if I had any kind of uh, questions on finances, even if I felt I was doing well, I would probably go to him and sit down and say, how can I prepare for my future? Amen. How can I put money away so that when I'm Brother Marco's age, I'm not broke like he is? Amen. So uh, it, it, I'll be honest with you. As you get older and you do things like own your own car, no payment, that's a nice feeling. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not having a mortgage payment, nice. that's nice. That's a nice idea. Can I be honest? That's wonderful. Amen. You want to be there? Sell your house. And um, <laughs> there's just things that you have to prepare for in life that when you get older, they pay off. They don't necessarily pay off immediately, amen, but they do pay off. And so he is an excellent teacher in those areas, and I want to encourage you to take the time and the opportunity that he's offering to us at no charge uh, to help you to know those things. Uh, because, again, money's a tool. And it'll either bury you with that tool or you'll use that tool to better yourself. Amen. Uh, let's uh, have a word of prayer for our offering. And if you have an offering there, we'll take it. Amen. I want your money. I mean, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for the way you love us. Thank you for entrusting us to give to you. Bless this offering. May it go far to meet the needs of this church. But most importantly, let us be cheerful givers. That your name would be magnified and glorified for our, for, through our ability to give to you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have an offering, come and give it right now. David Rise, we'll do a verse and a chorus of Bring Them In, and then we'd like you to briefly greet each other as we prepare for this afternoon's special. Bring Them In, hymn 526. Bring Them In, hymn 526. One verse and a chorus, and then we want you to greet each other. Amen.
greatest stride. No matter what I do, I've sinned against this love of His. But when I knelt to pray, confessing all my guilt to Him, the sin clouds rolled away. It's just like Jesus to roll the clouds away. It's just like Jesus to keep me day by day. It's just like Jesus all around the way. It's just like his great love. I've clouds of trouble be dim the sky above. I cannot see my Savior's face. I doubt his wondrous love. But he from heaven's mercy seed, beholding my despair, in pity bursts the clouds between and shows me he is there. It's just like Jesus to roll the clouds away. It's just like Jesus to keep me day by day. It's just like Jesus all around the way. Just like his great love, oh, I could sing forever of Jesus' love divine, of all his care and tenderness for this poor life of mine. His love is in and over all the wind and waves obey when Jesus whispers. Jesus to roll the clouds away. It's just like Jesus to keep me day by day. It's just like Jesus all around the way. It's just like his great love. Well, I thank you very much, Miss uh, Katie, for playing and brother, uh, whoever you are, for singing. Brother Kevin, <laughs> just, I don't know who he is. I've never met him before. No, I'm just joking. Uh, take your Bible today and open up to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. If you found Hebrews chapter 11, please stand and uh, with me as we're getting ready to read the scripture. Chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. Of course, it's called by many people the uh, chapter of faith. I'm not going to have any argument with that. I just think it's even more than just faith. I think it's people acting upon the faith in which they have. Uh, and that's very important. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to begin tonight with verse number 24. Okay, verse number 24. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he has come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Interesting statement there. <clears throat> Living in Egypt like an Egyptian was giving himself over to sin, and it was better to identify as a Hebrew than to act like the world's e Egypt and take that. Just, this is just That was free. I won't charge you for that. Verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches 
than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That him that's invisible is referring to Jesus Christ right there. He was looking by faith at Jesus' future death, burial, and resurrection. As we look by faith to Jesus' past death, burial, and resurrection, that's what it's referring to. <clears throat> Through faith, he kept, verse 28, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest that destroyed the firstborn, the, uh, I'm sorry, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By the way, I do believe that if they would have not applied the blood to their doorpost and to the post above the door, they would have, their firstborn would have died. It didn't matter to God. This was a statement, okay? And by faith, Israel was doing what Jesus said to do and put that that, that blood there. If he did not see the blood, regardless of who you were or what you were, you would have died Mm -hmm. as a firstborn. By the way, that's the same truth when it comes to salvation. It doesn't matter who we are or what we are or what we think we're valued at. If there's no blood to cover your sin, you're going to go to hell. Amen. We must have uh, our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 29, and by faith they passed through the Red Sea by dry land, which the Egyptians uh, uh, saying to do were drowned. So uh, I want to talk to you on this tonight. Just a simple subject. I know it's, I know it's uh, after 2 o'clock and we've all eaten and we're tired. I saw someone carrying around their pillow just a few minutes ago <laughs> getting ready for their nap. Um, <clears throat> I'll try not to be long. I'll try not to be boring because I know it too, after the 2 o'clock time, it's sometimes tough to stay awake. Amen? I have a tendency to believe you. I put them to sleep. I got to wake you up. So if I get wild, you'll know why. So, uh, but let's pray and we'll have preaching. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the way they love you and their faithfulness to you here at Central Park Baptist Church. But Lord, we've had a lot of fun throughout the day, morning service, between services and and now. But we need to really hear from heaven now. We need to hear what you have for us so that you can meet our every need. We have to depend on you because we cannot do it ourselves. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to talk to you tonight on can God, can God, can can God do that? Can God supply this? Can God? Can God? Even in our weakness, God's power is strong. I'll tell you a little story. A missionary was lecturing at a at a college in their classroom to a bunch of future church planters, and he was telling uh, about the, the subject of God's power and how uh, we need to have it in what we do in the ministry. And uh, so as he was speaking on that subject of God's power, to illustrate one of the truths, he told a story from when he first went to the mission field. He told a story like this. He said, when I first arrived on the mission field, uh, a missionary, uh, uh, there was an older missionary there. And as the older missionary uh, first arrived, he had a little money but great zeal, and he realized he needed a form of transportation to get around the country. Does that make sense? After a few weeks, the older missionary was, after a few weeks, 
a recent convert of the older missionary, learning of the missionary's predicament, offered to give him an older car. The only problem with the car was that it would not start without manual help. You know what that means, right? Someone's got to help push it down the road to get it to start. Or you park on an incline, amen? Pop that clutch and get it on going. Anyway, um, so uh, uh, not to be deterred, the missionary figured out a plan to get his car going. He would ask strangers on the street outside his home to help push him to get him started every morning. Or he'd park it on a hill and leave the engine, or he'd leave the engine running as he was visiting homes. His plan worked well, and the car was a great use for him. Uh, for the next couple years. Suffering from illnesses, the missionary, older missionary, was forced to return home for some time. But before he left, he met this young missionary who's talking at this conference. And he met the younger missionary uh, that was to take his place. He explained to him all the workings of the ministry, which is important. If you're going to take over somebody's ministry on the mission field, you got to know how things run. So he explains all that to him. Then he tells him of his car. And, uh, and how that uh, it just needs a little help to get started every day. And explain to him the process he would, uh, and routine he, you'd go, he would go through to get the car going every day. As the older missionary was explaining his plan, the younger missionary picked up the hood, looked underneath the hood, moved a few things around, popped his head out from underneath the hood and said, oh, there's a loose connection down here. And he reached down and tightened up the wiring that was down there. And sure enough, the car started just like it should. He said, the older missionary was struggling with the car for two years when the power was there all along. Think about that statement. All he had to do was connect the cables. Sometimes we as Christians become like this older missionary. We face problems and we seek our own solutions. And we come up with an answer, we devise a plan, we live by that plan and struggle needlessly through a ritual that we made up ourselves, not realizing that God could solve the problem if we just gave him the opportunity, if we just connected our cable to heaven's power. Amen? Amen. By the way, years ago, I'll tell you another story, like, hey, my wife knows what's coming, she's shaking her head, she's... We are, gave, she gave birth to our second child, Laura. She was in the hospital, and my wife would always say, I know that while I go to the hospital, the house is going to be a mess by the time I get back. And I kept saying, no, no, don't worry about it. I, I got this under control. I had a plan. It's a man's plan. Let the place become a, a shipwreck, and then the day before she gets there, clean it all up. Right, right. Amen? All men understand. Yeah. You nod your head. Yeah, it. It works, amen, all right? So um, uh, my, my, I was taking care of our, our one-year-old daughter and she would eat Cheerios out of this little thing and walk around the house eating Cheerios all day long and there was Cheerios everywhere. There was dirt everywhere. So I started at the top, like she had taught me, and I dusted down all the way down, pushing everything to the floor, okay? So I got out the vacuum cleaner and I flipped the switch. It was an older vacuum cleaner and nothing. Oh, wow. oh that's exactly what I said. <laughs> I flipped and flipped and flipped the switch, nothing. I went and got my toolbox, as all men will do who have tools, and I decided it's time somebody fix this vacuum cleaner. I took it all apart. I couldn't find anything wrong with it. I put it all back together, flipped the switch, nothing. 
And I thought, man, alive, what is the problem? And I looked down and I followed the cord down. I forgot to plug it in. Oh, no. <laughs> I plugged it in, flipped the switch, and saved myself the headache of my wife having said, I knew it <laughs> when she walked in the door. I had missed the power because I didn't plug it in. I, I could have stood all day long with that thing just going like this across the carpet and going, and it wouldn't have sucked anything in. I would have choked on uh, my, trying to suck it in, but it wasn't going to do it. It had to have power. Ladies and gentlemen, many times in our life, we go without God's power trying to solve problems and situations that come our way without depending on him. However, God wants us to realize that he can solve the problems. Can God? Yes, God can. Can God fix this? Yes, he can. Can he meet this need? Can God meet this need? Yes, he can. Can God help me? Yes, he can. Can God deliver me? Yes, he can. God can do everything so long as we'll plug into his power and let him to do it. So number one, Moses faced problems. Moses faced problems. We see this here, okay? He left his way of, of, of living for 40 years as an adult man. He chose to leave Egypt. He didn't like the way things were going. He chose to leave Egypt. That's what it says. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He decided he didn't want to live like them, walk like them, talk like them, be like them. He didn't want to be of the world, the world being Egypt. 40 years old man, he left that way. He became a shepherd, and then he was forced to leave that way. He was sent back to, see, see, to face Pharaoh to deliver the people of, from slavery in Egypt. He had to stop the Red Sea from flowing. He had to conquer uh, well-fortified cities. He had to command and lead the Israelites for 40 years' journey, and they were as rebellious as could be. And he couldn't do any of this without God's power. See, he, tried, he could not do it alone. And ladies and gentlemen, if there's anything you need to hear today, it's this. You cannot solve your problems alone. You cannot solve your situation alone. You must seek God's face. You must seek God's power. Moses could not conquer these problems on his own, and he knew it. He didn't even want to go do it. God said, listen, I want you to, at the burning bush, this is what I'm going to, send somebody else. What? I think Moses knew from that very early in his life, this is just Doug Markoology here. I believe he knew at a very early time in his life that his job was to deliver the, the Israelites from the Egyptians. But he tried it, and it didn't work. And then when he goes back, they don't even want to follow him. Oh, they did first time because he did a miracle. And they went, ooh, this is pretty cool. And then he goes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, uh, I'm taking away all your straw. And you're going to turn out just as many bricks. And they went, oh, we don't like this Moses guy. <laughs> he, he, was, he, he was in trouble everywhere he looked. He went to Pharaoh and said, come on, let's let the God's people go. And Pharaoh said, who are you and who is the Lord? Because Pharaoh was a god. See, pharaohs were gods in their day, living, breathing, human gods. And he said, I don't know this Lord. I don't know who you're calling God. I don't know who this, 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 this I am is, nor do I care. Right, right. 
Shut up and go back and do what I tell you to do. And he fights with Pharaoh. And everyone, of course, of his situations of, of the plagues attack another one of the gods of the Egyptians, showing that there's only one God. He couldn't do it all by himself. He had to have God's strength and God's power to overcome each situation individually as it came. I'm going to say that last part again. To, to conquer each problem individually as it came. See, we're never going to conquer all problems with one answer. We got to take each problem individually as it comes before us, take it to God, and allow God to show us what He wants us to do. I think of another man in Scripture, another Bible character, Joseph. Now, it's not the Joseph you're thinking of. This is the New Testament Joseph. He loves Mary. He's very much in love with Mary. He wants to spend his life with her. Then he finds out she's pregnant. And then we go to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going I'm to read from 19 to 25. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to, put her, to make her a, a public example of her, was minded to put her away privily. And while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take uh, unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. And Joseph, being raised from, his, from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, who? Mary. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Now, it didn't say Mary called his name. It says he called his name. Joseph, by faith, had a problem. He wanted to marry Mary. She was not in the, in the, in the uh, wedding ceremony and the wedding process of the Israelites, when you become engaged, you are now man and wife. At engagement, you are man and wife. You have promised each to the other. And you are to live by that, by that bound, until the ceremony is completed. We are that way with Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are not only engaged, we are his bride. I have made a commitment to him. He has made a commitment to me. I must live by my commitment. He must live by his commitment. We are going to be wed one day. But in the meantime, we live as man and wife as far as behavior goes. All others are put to the side. We live for you, each other, and each other alone with Christ as the center. That's what an engagement means. That's what it means when she was espoused to Joseph, just as the church is the espoused bride of Jesus Christ. So he's facing this problem. He doesn't know what to do. And who gives him the answer? God does. God gives him the answer. Then as another problem comes up, the baby's born. He lives by God's word and calls him Jesus. Now he finds out that the, uh, 
the uh, uh, Caesar in the area, the king, Herod, found out that the baby's been born, doesn't know exactly when the baby's born, and now they're going to try to kill all children two years and under because it has to do with when the star appeared. By the way, when Jesus was in the manger with the shepherds, the, the, the three wise men did not show up. That is a fairy tale. It happens at a different time, in a different place, and they actually go to his home. That's what the scripture says. So, just so that you know, the three wise men weren't there with gold, frankincense, and myrrh when the shepherds arrived. Okay, just just a little Bible fact there. Okay, So he's got this problem now. They're coming to the town that he's living in, and they're killing the baby boys. What do I do? What should I do? He doesn't decide what to do. He goes to God and asks him what to do. Now, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13, he gives an answer. And when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, talking about the three wise men departing, where? Their home. Arise and take the young child. No, it doesn't say take the baby because he's no longer an infant. He could be as old as two years of age here. And his mother and flee to Egypt and be there till I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 14, and he arose and he took the young child and his mother by night and departed unto Egypt. He didn't mess around. As soon as he got the answer, he went right to it. He applied it. What problems are you facing today? Number two, what problems are you facing today? What kind of situations are you in and you, you hit a wall, you don't know what to do. It seems like every time you turn around, another wall hits you and you're frustrated and you're irritated. You don't know what to do. And sometimes we get mad at God during these times when we never went to him to ask him to tell us what to do. Amen. Amen. The problem is unlike the problems maybe of others, but they all come down to the same thing, a problem. Can God solve this problem? Can he? God can. There is no problem so great that God cannot solve it. The question is, is are we willing to live by faith to allow him to solve it for us? Or are we going to be impatient and demand to be, this is the way it's got to be. I don't care who says what, when, or where. This is what I'm going to do. And that's what most of us end up to do. And we follow our feelings. We follow our emotions. And what we think is right. Well, you know, I think this is the right way to go. I feel it. That is, I feel it. You know what I feel? I feel lots of things. Sometimes I feel cold. Sometimes I feel hot. Sometimes I feel tired. Sometimes I feel energetic. Sometimes I feel young. Sometimes I feel old. Sometimes I feel intelligent. Then there's the rest of the time that goes by. I can't depend on my feelings. They change constantly. I'm up, I'm down, I'm in, I'm out, I'm for, I'm against. Anybody ever else have that kind of issues in life? Well, I can't follow that. You can't follow that. One day, yeah, this is the right way to go. The next day is, I don't think we should do that. Anybody ever have that fight go on inside them? Yeah. Why? Because we're trying to come up with a solution rather than take it to the Lord and say, whatever, the steps of a good man 
are ordered by the Lord. Now, I want you to notice what that doesn't say. It doesn't say the walkway of a good man is ordered by the Lord. It doesn't say the path that you shall trod in life is ordered by the Lord. It says the steps. You know what steps are? When do you want me to take the next step? When I tell you. But I want to move. Yeah, when I tell you. But I think I'm standing here too long. Yeah, but when I tell you. Take a step. Okay. Can I take another one? No. You mean I got to stand here again? Yeah. Because we want to run. I'm going to do this. I, got I can figure it out. I'm going to do it this way. And I know God's going to bless it because I feel it. And then we, men, we mess up our lives. Because we're running by feelings, maybe what other people have told us, and not what God instructs us in his word. Brother Marco, how can you find this out? Thank you for asking. The answer is by walking with God in his word. How often have you tried to solve your problems? Have they worked? Have your solutions worked well? Are you still fighting the same problems you fought 20 years ago because you haven't come up with a solution yet that works? Rather, desire to God help you to do this. And here's the key. God would desire that we would assume a humble mindset and seek him for help. Humble means to take your hands off the steering wheel of your life and let him control things. Humble means to realize there's nothing you can do, and I'm wholly turning it over to the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. Don't want you to believe me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Well, that's where we are. See, we get weak, don't we? And then when we feel weak, we don't want to be weak. We Strong man, powerful man, M-A-N, man. That's what we want in life. But the truth is, that's not how it works. When we do that, we walk away from humility, depending on God, to depend on ourselves. which in reality, according to the Bible, is pride. Pride now takes control of your life. And what happens with pride? Hmm. Quite a fall can happen because of pride. Pride comes before the fall. Why? Because we got full of ourselves. See, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my, we- my strength is made perfect in weakness. You really want to see God do something that's impossible? Then you have to admit that you're too weak to do that. And only he can. And if he doesn't, then it's just not going to happen. I know a missionary was having a terrible time struggling financially on the mission field. And... Uh, he said, okay, God, it's your church. It's your ministry. If you want it to fail, you can let it fail. The money's not coming in. I can't do anything about it. I'm a missionary on the mission field. Preachers are giving, people are giving. Some people aren't giving. I can't tell you what's going on. But if you want it to fail, God, it's yours. Let it fail. Then it will be you that looks bad, not me. Do you think God let that fail? No, he did not. He stepped right up because the missionary realized it was not in his power to do what only God can do. See, we think we can run our life, and there's where our issue is. 
Well, I got all the, it's my life, let me live it as a blonde. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's my life, let me live it the way I want to. Only old people would understand that, let me live it as a blonde. From Anyway, um, it, the, the key is realizing you can't handle it. And you're not supposed to be handling it. It's not your life. You've been bought with a price. He now owns you. And if he, listen, how many things do you own that you let, you, you let them tell you what you're going to do with them? For example, you have a car. You own that car. When I get into my car and put the key in the ignition, I have every expectation it's going to start. If it doesn't start, it's not my fault. It's the car's fault. It needs to get fixed. And if you're not going to get fixed, you're going to get out. Because I am not going to let you tell me I can't go somewhere. I'm the master. You're the servant. Amen? Jesus said, I'm the master. You're the servant. I bought you with a price. If I want to use you, I'll use you. If I don't want to use you, I'm not going to use you. But you're not going to dictate to me how I'm going to use you. You follow that statement? Yet that's what we want to do. Because we want to do it in our power and not in God's power. God wants to aid you, help you, assist you in his power. But to get his power... What does it say here in, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9? Let's read this again. And he said unto me, my grace, unmerited favor, something you don't deserve, is sufficient for thee. That's all you need. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Who, God's weakness? No, our weakness. When we know there's nothing we can do and we finally turn it over to God, isn't that always when God seems to move in and just take care of it for us? But it took us beating our head against the wall and failure after failure after failure to finally take and take our hands off it and say, okay, God, you can just have your way. And he doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for me. So even in your weakness, that's when God's power is strong. Most gladly, therefore, he says, will I rather glorify in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's what Paul goes on and says under the authority of the Holy Spirit. He says, so I'm going to go through life. I'd rather glory in my infirmities, glory in what I can't do. Okay, that's okay with me. It's all right. Every time I come to town, I know I don't go to a hotel. I go to the jail. That's okay. I know I don't get to eat like everybody else eats. That's okay. It's up to God. I he owns me. Whatever he wants. And what great power did Paul have with God and with man? And we would love to have that kind of power, but we won't take in our hands off our life long enough to become weak so he can become strong. We know where we're going. And we know how to get there. And don't get in my way. Or I'll run you over. That's how life is. That's what the world teaches us. That is not God's system. Whatever the world is teaching us, always remember to forget it. Because it's wrong. The world's ways are always God, not God's ways. They're always the devil's ways. So I must go to what God's ways is, which is always the opposite of the world's ways. That's what, by the way, that's how uh, Moses felt about Egypt. Their ways are just not God's ways. And I'm not going to follow those ways. The best uh, inability is made perfect by dependence on God's ability so we need to walk in his ability Hebrews chapter 11 again 
Hebrews chapter 11, that's where we started. We're not quite done, but we're close. Hang on, don't, don't take your shoes off yet. Or don't put your shoes on yet. You can keep them off. I got a few more minutes. Verse 32. What shall I say more the time that would fail me? To tell of Gideon. What, what Gideon? 300 guys go out there and they take and destroy an army of 200,000? Hmm. 300 guys. Are you out of your mind? And they did it with what? With a glass pitcher that they busted? And with a torch? And yelling, hey! And everybody runs and kills themselves. That's what happens. How crazy is that? Yeah, that was a faith. That's what it says here. A Barak and of Samson, of Jephthah and of David also, and Samuel and of the prophets. Who through faith, look what they do, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness, notice what they're in, weakness, out of weakness, were they made strong, waxed valiant in fight, Turn to fight the armies of the aliens. Huh, they must be from outer space because we don't have aliens anymore, it seems like. Never mind. <laughs> Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not ac uh, accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. So what that's saying is that they knew that if they were killed, it was for their betterment. So let them kill me. I would rather be killed than to submit to this world system today. Amen. I'm Amen. telling you, I do not care. I am not going to follow. I, will, I, I am hard-headed. I'll dig my heels in. They can call me whatever name they want to call me. They can take me wherever they want to take me. They can punish me any way they want to punish me. They can torture me any way they want to torture me. I'm not moving. I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ, the Bible, the truth of the word of God. If they don't like it, that's their problem with God. You take it up with God, but I'm going to stand by faith in Jesus Christ, in him alone. Why? Because that's the only place that there's victory. That's the only place where there's power. That's the only place where God gets glory. I don't own myself. And I'm not afraid to die for Jesus Christ. Just being honest with you. If I would have been afraid to die for Jesus Christ, I would have never gone overseas to, to Vietnam or to India or any of those other places where I've served Christ where you can die simply for being a Christian. Now that's here in America. And by the way, I found out this week, according to the Democrat Party, just I'm not playing politics, just being honest, that if you believe in the Constitution of the United States of America, you're now called a, a, a religious, shoot, a Christian nationalist, thank you. Okay, well, hey, I believe in the Constitution. It was the right document for the United States of America, but I'll stand for the Bible way before I stand for the Constitution. Hey. Amen. And I'm going to walk with God and in his word and in his power and in his might. And I'm going to pray and seek his face and let him get the glory and not us. We need that today. Let's move on. They were, uh, 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 and others, verse 36, uh, had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, bonds of imprisonment. They were stoned and were sawn asunder were tempted and were slain with, uh, with the sword. 
And they wandered about in sheep's clothing and goatskins, being uh, destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom this world was not worthy. That's how God looks at those who depend on him. The world is not worthy of the glory of your presence, but he is. And we need to quit trying to solve our own problems and let Jesus solve our problems for us. I don't know what kind of problems you're facing today, but the question is, is are you trying to solve them yourself? Number three, and I'm done. How about that? We're almost there. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And we're going to look at verse 8. Number three, how can God help you? How can God help you? How can God solve the issues for you? Well, Hebrews 13, 8 teaches us that. Are you ready? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. What are you trying to say, Brother Marco? I'm trying to say what he's done in the past, he will do today. What he has done for others, he will do for you. If we will just trust him as they trusted him, if we'll just walk with him as they walk with him, if we'll be obedient to serve him as they were obedient to serve him, then we will get the same kind of results that they had. God will step up and do what needs to be done. Hey, anybody here part the Red Sea? I can't even part the water that gets on my floor in my kitchen. I try to part it with a mop and it wants to come right back. Amen. I can't part anything. Yet Mo Moses stands there at the Red Sea. He has nowhere to go. He's got a million people standing there looking at him what to do. Here comes Pharaoh and the chariots. They want to slaughter them all. They're ticked off, man. And I understand why. All of their firstborn got slaughtered. And here they come. They're mad as hornets. If hornets get mad. And says, what do you want me to do? He said, go, go stand. Take your rod and go stand in the water. Now, they didn't go through on mud. I love this. Amen. They didn't go through on sandy ground. No, no, no. That's not what it says. Right. They walked on dry ground. Yeah. Right. It takes days for my land to dry up after a rainstorm. How about yours? Yeah, yeah. You go out there and you oh, man, that's still mud over there. Yeah. There was no mud. No mud. no mud. Dry ground. Now, when God says dry ground, it means no mud. No, nothing. Just like a hard, paved surface. Dry ground. And they walked over on dry ground, and Pharaoh said, we can do this too. Come on, buddy, come on. You're almost there in the middle. Come on, come on, a little bit further. <laughs> Boom, here comes the water. Wipes them all out. Not, not one sword was lifted. Not one spear was thrown. Oh, they got closer, and the, and the kids got the kids of Israel, the children of Israel, kids of Israel. They got nervous, and God says, "Okay, put a pillar of fire between them." I'm telling you, you're not going to go through a pillar of fire to get to somebody you don't like. You're going to be a little. Uh, <laughs> your horses are going to panic because God can handle anything. But Moses didn't know. Moses had no choice. I have to depend on God. I have nowhere to go. We're dead. 
see, ladies and gentlemen, it's us that come up with answers. And when we come up with answers, we think we got it, and we quit trusting God with the situation. We never get to see God's hand do the impossible, the miraculous, that which man cannot do because we decide to handle it ourselves. He desires to solve your problems of your life that you're facing day by day. But if we don't let him, he can't. A little illustration that comes to my mind, whether it's accurate or not, I'm not completely positive because it just came to my mind and I didn't have a chance to go through it. I, as a parent of married children, often hear issues and I say, I could solve that problem for them if they listened to me. But they didn't ask. So if I tell them the answer, they're going to think I'm trying to tell them how to live their life. So I have to shut my mouth. And I'm not, my kids don't ask, I don't tell. Don't ask, don't tell. I believe that law. (laughs) They don't ask me for help, I don't give it. Because it's never going to be heeded. But I know how to get them out of a lot of jams. But if they don't come to me, I can't help them. And if they're not willing to do what I tell them, then I can't help them. When I was a pastor and people would come to me for counseling, one of the first questions I'd ask them is they'd sit down and say, are you going to do what I tell you to do? If you're not going to do what I tell you to do, then there's no point in you being here. Let's not waste your time or mine. Because if you're not going to do what I tell you to do, then I can't help you. And if we're not going to do what God tells us to do, he cannot help us. We stopped it, not him. Moses, go back to Egypt. I don't want to go back there. Go back, I want you to stand before Pharaoh. I do not want to stand before Pharaoh. But Moses, I'm telling you to go. Well, fine, send someone else. I'll pray for him. Sounds like us, don't it? No, come on, man. Just do what I tell you. Yeah, but you know what? I don't speak good. I know speak good English. That's how I feel, okay? I don't speak... I don't, oh, fine. Then I'll, I'm already sent your brother. He's on his way. Yes, yes. You're going to meet him, and he's going to be a, a priest to you, and you're going to be a god to, to everybody through him. Right. And he'll do all your speaking. Yeah, but I still think you need to send somebody else. Would you just shut up and do what I tell you to do? Right, right, right. And sure enough, he does. And is it easy? No. Did Moses have struggle after struggle after struggle after struggle? Yes. Was he falsely accused constantly of doing something wrong? Oh, man, yes, he was. But what did he do? He just kept going back to God and saying, I don't know what to do with him. At one time, God said, well, that's okay. I know what to do. I'm going to kill them all, and I'll make a great nation out of you. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let me tell you why you can't do that, do that, all to do that, that. You can't do that. Because this is what the Egyptians are going to say. Ah, fine. But I'm telling you, they're not going to be any easier. They're stiff-necked and hard-headed people. Hard-hearted. They ain't going to listen to nobody, including you. So you better stick close. And does he? Yeah. 
The one time he got mad enough not to listen to God cost him going into the promised land. And for the rest of his life, he, he blamed the Israelites. He never took responsibility for himself. It's true. Read it. He kept saying, because of you, I can't go into the promised land. No, no, no. You smote the rock. You picked up the rods. You smote it. They didn't make you do it. Yeah, but they made me. Doesn't matter, Moses. You have to live by what you do. And that's true with your life and mine. We have to live by what we do. And God wants to be your deliverer. He wants to be your strength. He wants to be your high tower. He wants to be that which you need in the moment that you need it. But first, we got to let him be that. we got to realize that I can't do this. I'm just going to give it over to God. And every time a situation comes up, you say, okay, i got all these answers, but wait a minute, I'm not going to do any of this. I'm going to go to God. Kind of like David. Lord, should I go to battle? Go to battle. Okay. Should I go to battle this time? No, don't go to battle this time. I got a better plan. I want you to do this over here. When you hear me, when you hear the wind and the mulberry, and then I want you to do, oh, oh God's always coming up with really cool things when we give him time to do that. So don't try to figure out your life. Don't you live your life as if it's your own. You have been bought with a price. You are the Lord's. Allow him to use you and myself as he sees fit. And that will change your whole life. And what you didn't think you could ever do before, you look back at your life. I'm sure Moses looked back and said, wow, I can't believe it's been 20 years. I've been leading these stiff-necked, hard-headed, like to slap them sometime Israelites. But I have. And look what God has done. And he's done this. And he's done this. And I got to see him as a man face to face. And no one else had ever gotten to do that. Because Moses did not depend on himself, but depended on God. Do you know why David is called a man after God's own heart? Because when David got himself into problems, he kept running back to God. Okay, God, I don't know what to do here. You tell me what to do. All right, I'm here now. I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. All right, now I did this. I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. And yeah, sometimes David was disobedient and he got in trouble for being disobedient. But God always took care of him. Even in his disobedience, when he went back to the Lord and said, okay, I don't know what to do now. I don't know what to do now. So let's trust him. Let's walk in his way. Allow Jesus Christ to really be the Lord of your life and walk in his way and his truth. Father, thank you for what we've learned. Holy Spirit, you move in our hearts and our lives and create within us a desire to allow you to be in charge and that we would heed because you can. God can. God can do anything. I'm limited. I can't do anything. So I'm just going to let you do it. I can't figure it out. So I'm going to let you do it. If it's nothing, then I won't do nothing. If it's something, then you show me what that something is. Whatever it is, you're in charge. We as your people want to give you that authority. So please, work in our hearts and our lives during this invitation time to glorify your name. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If God spoke to your heart, let's all stand. The music's going to play for the people.